the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 416. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Rishab Trivedi. Rishab, great to, uh, great to have you on the show for the first time. Uh, maybe you should uh, let listeners know where you fit into this uh, big wide world of uh, technology here in New Zealand. Okay, well, firstly, it's great to be here. Uh, I just want to put a disclaimer out there for the whole conversation that um, I'm not an expert in any, you know, so in either software architecture or in motorcycle law. Um, I'm, if there's anything I can talk about comfortably, it's where quickly fits into the picture of mobility in New Zealand. So just wanted to put that disclaimer out there. Well, look, certainly looking forward to hearing hearing a bit about Quickly, and obviously we talked through some other tech, tech topics today as well. Yep, sounds good. Um, so just in terms of a quick quick run through, so yep. people that haven't heard of Quickly, yep. uh, I know we've talked mentioned, mentioned Quickly on the show before, but ju- just bring bring listeners up to speed. What uh, you know, very sort of short summary of what what Quickly is. So yeah, fantastic. So Quickly is New Zealand's first electric moped sharing service. Um, and it's as simple as that. Uh, we just launched just over two weeks ago in the Takapuna and Devonport areas. That must have been when we when we when we mentioned you. Yeah, probably was a couple couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. And so so you've just launched. And um, how long were you sort of prepping? Getting uh, you know how long has the company actually been been running before you've you've launched? Jeez. Uh, okay. So like from I. Ideation was probably a year and a half ago. Yeah. Okay. So we can get into the background of while I was living in Germany and and the birth of this idea, um, and how long has the company existed? I mean, New Zealand, you know, with this sort of model, when you buy vehicles for people to use, there's lead times involved, which yeah, take months, yeah. and there's yeah. a whole bunch of other things you have to do. So obviously, it's it's been many months. Um, this year in the making and then yeah I guess the, we were thinking it'd be a soft launch two weeks ago but it was I guess serendipity with with all the articles yeah oh that's good we'll, we'll dive into that a bit more in the show yeah. now uh, lots to talk about uh, as always certainly a little bit on the uh, on the transport uh, front uh, some interesting um, insights on uh, facial recognition uh, in place in uh, in China and excuse my uh, my voice today I'm a bit blocked up with a cold uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, US versus uh, Chinese tech as well Um some some British uh, thoughts on what what should be happening to data uh, from from some of the big, um, I guess you, you would say Silicon Valley, uh, you know, tech tech firms. Also, we'll dive into a, a little bit of of uh, what's being reported in the media around um, uh, the 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 iPhone and uh, sales. And uh, potentially the bringing back of production of the uh, the iPhone uh, 10, and of course uh, Sky's been in the news as their new CEO has been announced. So, um, but first up, I just wanted to mention last week we talked a little bit about um, Oppo's R17 Pro, and uh, I had uh, had that one sitting on uh, on charge today, and I thought, well, you know, one of the things they were claiming around that is that it's the uh, the fastest charging phone in the market. 
So right. I wanted to see just how quick it would charge. So yeah. it went from 1% to 25% in just over five minutes, right. which I thought was uh, was pretty pretty astonishing for a, for a phone. Yeah, yeah. I After that as 10 well. minutes, got to about 41%, 15 minutes, uh, it was... Oh, it was about um, well fifty seven, fifty eight percent somewhere uh, around there. So um, yeah, pretty uh, pretty pretty snappy. Got I got to say. So uh, yeah. Anyway, so that, we talked a little bit about that last week. Now, um, Ola Cabs. We talk. We've talked about them when they they launched uh, here in New Zealand a, a few weeks ago. And um, Rashab, you've um, you've tried them, right? And uh, was it in India? I tr- yeah, I tried um, Ola Cabs for the first time last. Uh, in fact, just about a year and, and a half ago when I was in India. Yeah, because they seem to be really, you know, moving very quickly into the market. There have been very successful, right? Yeah, I agree. So I mean, you know, entirely like anecdotal. So in India, firstly, you know, you you get out from the airport and there's rickshaws and and pretty much any mode of transport you you wanted there yeah right? I but I was, I was there about a year ago in, uh, in Delhi yeah exactly so so th- actually that's that's where I first tried it in Delhi um, but I was surprised to see that that the pricing was pretty good for you know your own private vehicle essentially yeah, yeah. you're not catching like a, a rickshaw and stuff but yeah, because there seems to sort of be a mix of models, more like a, a car rental, but by the hour, and you know, there's, there's, uh, I guess they're experimenting with all sorts of things in India, and there's a, there's a real uh, focus on making the city smarter as well. Obviously, there's a lot of, you know, congestion challenges because you've got you know a big population to deal with. Uh, you know, some, certainly some similarities with China, but also a lot of things that are very, uh, very different there. Yeah. Um, so your experience was was pretty good. I got to say, it was yeah. It it seemed to be pretty good. Um, <laughs> full disclaimer: Of course, I didn't have the app. Uh, you you have to be verified, you know, with the app to use it. But um, but uh, uh, the, a local staff member at the airport yeah. Yeah. actually saw that I was in a bit of a. Um, a fix because actually the, f- the flight landed quite late and uh, yep. I just spoke to him and said can you just book me an all I can me I was like yeah I'll, I'll just do that now so yeah and you're able to pay with cash in India right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. so I, I had actually um, paid like so I just paid the person who made the booking for me yeah because yeah, everything exactly. was sorted through his credit oh, card oh nice nice yeah so that yeah. was easy yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so whereas I tried it in New Zealand, and my first experience was a bit of a bit of a disaster. Um, my second experience, I thought I should try this thing again, and I just tried a very short ride just to see how it would go, and it was it was actually just fine. Um, but I did get some feedback from from a driver that I spoke with who said their their maps aren't very good, and yeah, they've definitely got some issues sort of locally, which is what I you know I guess what I saw on that first trip. Yeah. Uh, and there seems to be quite a variance too in terms of pricing versus versus Uber, yeah. so maybe a, a, a different algorithm. So. You know, I like that their their goal is to be paying a high percentage back to their drivers, yep. but there did seem to be quite a variation. Uh, but you know, versus Uber in terms of actual uh, uh, pricing and and the time that you would wait. So there was another occasion where I thought, ah, oh, let's have a look. Let's see how long they'll be. And Uber was going to be maybe two thirds of the time for an Uber to come. Yeah, and uh, so. 
and and I think a lower fee. So uh, yeah, it made it a reasonably easy easy decision. But it's going to be interesting to see as they do, you know, get their head around the New Zealand market. Yeah, how you know how they how they actually get on. Yeah, it's it's um, uh, so I, I'm obviously biased when it comes to talks about uh, car sharing because you know whether it's just Uber or Ola comes in or some other competitor, um, essentially it's still a car, and that's where this you know quickly plug into the story. But but um, I'm not too familiar with all of um, Ola's differentiators from Uber and stuff. Yeah, I think I I read something about them paying better commission rates to their to their drivers and stuff um, I, I personally think that after some time there will be saturations uh, because again they're just adding more cars on the road so well, some people are running multi apps right so you've got some drivers that are just like oh yeah I'll, I'll install that app too right so there's not the same barrier uh, to entry because in some ways Uber's done the hard work by getting people used to it. Yeah, um, Uber must have quite a bit of a, a workload. Their office isn't very far from here, and I was down there. There was a fire alarm in their in their building. Um, uh, would it would have been a month or or two back, and boy, there were a lot of drivers and so on around there. So I'm not sure what they were going in and out of the Uber office for. Right, because you think, hey, this is just something you run through an app. You don't need too many. Uh, too many people going down to their office, but there, there, there was obviously a lot of interactions and so on going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, on to, uh, on to another topic. Uh, Chinese, uh, government fa- Chinese government facial recognition uh, system did something uh, rather unusual recently. It misidentified a face. Now, this is a facial recognition system um, System now it actually it got the the person right, uh, but this was a facial recognition system that was looking for people breaking the law. Yep, and it decided that this particular person uh, that it recognised was a jaywalker. Now that's maybe somewhat understandable because the camera looked into the street and mm. it saw this particular face. face. Now there was something a little bit out though is that this face was plastered to the back of a bus (laughs) on an advertisement and uh, it was for the president of China's top uh, uh, air conditioning manufacturer, I believe. And, uh, yeah, so what they did was they then did their sort of facial recognition piece, worked out who it was. They they, uh, then took that image along with part of the person's government ID number uh, and and her her name, uh, although apparently they got the surname uh, wrong, and uh, so this was the face of uh, Dong Mingzhou, uh, and they they basically plastered her her name up uh, along with other offenders who their computer systems had decided were jaywalking. Right, yeah, yeah. Now, this is, uh, it's, it's kind of shocking to me that this this is rolling rolling out you know, <laughs> right now. And look, I know there's, there's two schools of thought on, you know, all of, the, all of these sorts of things. And, you know, some people are pretty relaxed about having lots of cameras around the place. Mm. And to a degree, they're right that we may have, may well have a, 
a, a safer environment, a, you know, a, a safer world with a lot of cameras. Mm. If you could entirely trust your your government and your police forces and so on, exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, the other school of thought that you know very, very clearly isn't relaxed around all this sort of data. And I think we have enough data leaks and and issues to to explain why that that makes sense. Yeah. As as well, I'm curious. What do you, what do you think of uh, of this? Because there's all sorts of possibilities, right? In yeah. terms of, well, they fix up the bug and it's no longer an issue. Then we're we're all good. Yeah, I was surprised to read in that in that <laughs> article that the, the the bug was fixed pretty pretty quickly, right? Like uh, with an upgrade. So they, um, so they say. So they say. So um, you know, like in a case like this. There's just so many different perspectives you, you you look at this through, right? So from the tech perspective, like what's happening is amazing. I mean, what what these systems are doing and then, you know, um, going, you know, crawling through potentially millions of names, linking up something to something that it's capturing optically is just amazing. And then you can look at it um, through the angle of, um, so, so there's there's something there's something we 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 say when developing software, right? Where you'd have um, some acceptance criteria, right? So we'd say something like, given something, when something happens, then something else should happen. And if I had to look at this this whole case through the lens of, given this robot spots a face on the road. Regardless of whether it's you know pasted on the back of a truck or whatever, um, you know their 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 output is pretty much that this person should be publicly shamed on a TV screen or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And it, it just so happened that it did what it was technically required to do. That's right. It just so happened that the person was a not there, so it was a false positive. And B, that person just happened to be one of the most influential people in the country. Uh, and it's it's kind of like, do you question the technology or do you question, you know, wh- why, why would you want something like that in the first place? Or what would you want it to do if it detects um, the case of someone actually jaywalking? Yeah. Do you actually want to publicly shame them? Is, you know, are, are there any alternative actions you could do like maybe educating people better or you know it's uh, again this is such a specific angle to look at this thing from if we had the same technology in New Zealand I can almost guarantee publicly shaming them wouldn't be the output of what that software would do that's right and of course what China are doing is going you know quite rapidly down this track of of social scoring or social Mm. credit system whereby they look at those things and then, you know, it could be saying, well, you know, normal people get this many weeks' holidays a year. You get less because you're not being a good citizen. Right. Or, you know, the other things that are already going on in terms of how you can't get a first-class seat on a uh, train or maybe you can't get a ticket at all on a train or a plane and so on, right? So. Yeah. They, you, you might not be able to get you know get a loan to buy a home or you know there's they're, they're connecting up all all sorts of dots and in, in ways that I think 
some people are actually really on board with, right? Otherwise, they, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, yeah. But to our minds here in New Zealand, I think most people, you know, just couldn't imagine wanting to live in that sort of society. It doesn't, you know, it it, it doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't add up, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I I think like all, all these different outcomes come from. So so the intention is relatively similar. So obviously China, the same like New Zealand, probably would want fewer people jaywalking because it's dangerous. So that's that's just a health and safety issue. It's how you deal with how you deal with reducing the number of people jaywalking, whether it's installing robots that will publicly shame you or maybe finding a middle ground between technology and and then how far policy. do you take it as yeah. well right yeah. so you know before before we started you and I were chatting a little bit about that and I threw out a very you know extreme case could be x number of years down the track and you know they 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 allow these uh, these bots to uh, kill people if they if they recognize that they're putting somebody's you know life in danger Mm. Um, so you just imagine that there's a there's a misinterpretation of the data. Looks like somebody's got a gun and is going to do something, but actually it's a shadow or a silhouette, or somebody's projected something, or you know who knows what. But the computer thinks that uh, uh, you know. Let, let's say I'm walking down the street in China, and the computer thinks that I'm doing something that's uh, putting lives at risk, and uh, you know, pop. I'm gone. You're gone. Yeah. Uh, you know that's that's sort of a, a potential extreme case, and yeah. there's certainly been been some uh, some d- discussion around having some some ethics around what we allow you know robots to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, still mistakes. You know, mistakes happen, and you know we've seen that with uh, with 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 drones. Uh, mm. You know, military drones and so on, where. They're taking footage from a distance that a person's involved in the process, but says, "Yep, nail them," yeah, and they yeah. kill someone who was actually just innocent, yeah. Um, and you know that's that's what the US are doing. Um, most people would, well, a lot of people would uh, would lean in the direction of having a little bit more trust in the US yeah. uh, to some of these approaches in China, but not not. Uh, not everyone, I guess it. Uh, you know, it, it depends on on your school of thought, really. But uh, we're, we're heading in a worrying direction, aren't we, with some of these things? If we're, we're not, if we're, we're not careful, and we don't, you know, put the brakes on and, and rethink them, I guess. Yeah, we're heading in some direction. I, I have no idea whether that's <laughs> why. So, so this this is this reminds me of, um, you know, there's the psychological thought experiment. I, I forgot what what the actual name is, but basically, it's about um, if you were if you saw a runaway train, right, which was headed in either track A, which you know, um, where it would kill a family of four, right, right, uh, yep. or track B, where it would kill one person, and would you pull the lever to divert the the track the train is headed on? And in a similar thing, so humans, like, obviously, we just don't want to make that decision, whereas. For a robot to make that decision, it's fairly easy. They would just take in some variables of 
the age of everyone involved, this their contribution, the algorithm, the, the code, algorithm, the, yeah, the yeah. their economic output in society. Their, <laughs> oh, it'll just shocker. take all of these things <laughs> and just easily make a decision. But we're yeah. not allowing. Well, that. I think it would make it would take me out because there's plenty there's plenty of middle aged <laughs> white males, and I'm uh, starting to fall into that category. So I'd just be like, "Yep, uh, Paul Spain, yeah, he's gone. We've got enough of enough of those sort of characters." Um, yeah, it's, it's worrying to think about. Well, it is for me in that case anyway. Uh, it's it, it's worrying. To, so the thing is, it, it's worrying to think about that for anyone because every single day you're just another data point to a robot. So. Today it might save your life. Tomorrow it probably won't. If you're, you know. Well, that's what we are today for, you know, lot, lots of companies because it is just it's just data, right? Mm. When I hit Uber to catch a catch a uh, ride in in here today, you know, their algorithms fire up and decide, you know, which car, what price, and so on. So, yeah, it's. Uh, Obviously, it's quite a big difference from that, but uh, you know the mechanism. The mechanisms are there to uh, to make all sorts of decisions and uh, yeah, so on yeah. on data. All right. Well, we should keep uh, keep keep moving because we could easily get lost in that one. Um, now we, we you know we mentioned sort of you know who do you trust more? Well, um, reports out of the uh, well reports have sort of you know, come in from you know I've seen New Zealand Herald publish this. I've seen some stuff in the US, uh, but basically indicating that uh, the US government is asking their foreign allies uh, to basically steer clear of. Huawei is a telecommunications provider, which is is quite uh, quite fascinating. And what you've got so far from New Zealand uh, is that Andrew Little, who's a GCSB minister, uh, along with uh, the communications uh, minister we have now, Chris uh, Farfoy, um, have have been uh, not sort of jumping. Jumping to say that we're going to uh, we're going to line up with that. Uh, I did I did hear some uh, commentary uh, out of um, the the telco land, and it, it suggests the government would would like uh, our telecommunications providers to uh, uh, maybe. Uh, follow the US track, but uh, the government themselves doesn't want to maybe draw a hard line on that. So uh, I think I, you know I think their feeling is it would make their life a little bit easier with uh, mm. with, with uh, US, who you know as a uh, as an ally of uh, of New Zealand, if we were to get into uh, into you know warfare type situations and, and whatnot, mm. part of the Five Eyes. Uh, Arrangement it would make uh, it would make the government's life a, l- a little bit easier if uh, if telcos decided to uh, maybe reduce or, or, or minimise the role of uh, Huawei uh, going forward, particularly in, in relation to five uh, G mobile networks. Yeah. So we're in a we're in a bit of a complicated world at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, Things we are. Aren't, aren't, aren't as uh, as simplified as as we might like to uh, might like them to be. Yeah, they're not. They're not. Occam's razor is actually harder in reality, right? But but yeah, we, we, I mean, with this news report, obviously you're the expert here on you know on the 
the cyber attack implications of anything. Um, I don't know. From memory, I think I read something about Huawei also trying to um, to essentially dominate, you know, the telecoms in Papua New Guinea. This this wasn't too long ago, actually. Um, so, with US, you know, pleading all its allies to to cut ties with Huawei. That's one thing. The, the only thing, and this is not in defense of Huawei or any, or any other company, um, if they're providing a service and you drop a company that's providing a service, that service has to be provided by somebody else. Yeah, I think that would be pretty hard to do. It would more be a transition across or when, when 5G is launched, yeah. but that would be based on, on other companies' te- technology. So you know, now now's the time to have these discussions because – you know, most countries haven't haven't got down that uh, haven't got down that track. Uh, you got South Korea. Well, that you know they, they're going with Samsung uh, yeah. equipment, and the government's been pushing them along on the uh, the the five G track. But you know, on the, on the flip side, let's say you know everyone doesn't use Huawei gear. Yeah, is this more just so that the US could listen on everything that's going on? Right? Yeah. You know, I mean. I'm not sure I've got a huge amount of trust in any superpower. Exactly, exactly. It's all about incentives, <laughs> right? If, if they're telling New Zealand to kick Huawei, and like, I mean, who watches the Watchmen, right? So yeah, and uh, look, you know, both both countries have some have some you know scary uh, uh, scary things. You know, we've heard about China having uh, rules in place that uh, uh, you know companies must operate at at the behest. Of, of the government on uh, you know certain matters uh, from a, a secu- you know, telecommunications or security uh, perspective and uh, yeah it's probably a lot more public in the US so we you know to a to a pretty big degree we hear when the apples and the Microsofts and Googles are pushing back at the government and saying hey you know this this is a ton mm-hmm. uh, and and I think there's a lot to be said for that level of transparency of course yep. uh, in China there just isn't the same level of transparency and yeah uh, you, know, you want to be pretty careful around uh, what what you say if it's going to uh, if it's going to upset uh, the government because they've got a pretty tight uh, uh, you know can control on on things there compared to uh, many other parts of the world. Yeah. Um, now, on, when talking about data, there's a UK data group that's come out and uh, and they've they've said that Google, Apple, um, Uber, etc. should be sharing their mapping data with rivals. Um, now, this, this is kind of curious because you've got these private uh, Silicon Valley firms who have spent a lot of money to build up their systems for, for mapping. Obviously, Apple have got you know, Apple Maps on uh, uh, on iOS, Google Google Maps, uh, Uber collected a, a you know huge amount of their own uh, data as well with their vehicles out there. Um, but the, the, this report, the uh, the Open Data Institute, is uh, is really highlighting some of the challenges that these sort of data monopolies uh, bring, and that they're really stifling innovation in the UK. Um, and look to to a degree that's you know it's absolutely true. If this data was more broadly available, much easier for for uh, rival companies to to you know jump in and compete with those players. On the flip side, they've spent uh, spent a, a lot of money 
uh, actually collecting uh, that that data. You know, at this stage, that's uh, that's been considered their intellectual property. Uh, any thoughts on on this? You know, with 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 what you're doing, uh, launching quickly here in in New Zealand, uh, would it make your life easier if you could get access to other people's data? Um, so, a like what the specifics of the data. Are, well, they were talking about mapping data, so you know, I'm I'm not sure to what degree in terms of you know other metadata and so on that would be uh, would be there. That's that didn't seem entirely clear from the report I or the the information sort of overview I read. Yep, yep. So, um, firstly, like with this article, especially, I think so. Tim Berners Lee was part of the um, part of that committee, right, for the Open Data Institute, and. And obviously, he's advocating for these companies to, to be more open and, and share a lot of their, um, whether their their IP. Um, I, I guess it's analogous to what he had in mind when he helped create, essentially, the internet. Um, and obviously, he's noticed that what it is today is different to what he had in mind. Which was more of this sort of open collaboration space. Yeah, I do share his um, like his sentiments. Actually, um, I think not too long ago, Tesla uh, made public a lot of their patents as well. Um, you know, just in a gesture. Obviously, it was obviously a PR stunt as well, but um, in a gesture to to say. We want people advancing this technology. Yep. Whether you're standing on our shoulders or not, that doesn't matter. But let's all move further together. Um, but uh, so uh, again, I think it's it's related to the previous article, which is does the ODI that does the Open da- like Data Institute control all this open data if so does that just create an environment for you know 20 years down the line we're having the same conversation with them yeah um, yeah well i mean yeah open open data can certainly have many good uh, consequences there was there was a reference to the financial benefit to the uk if they were uh, um you know, if they were, uh, I think it was the UK government previously estimated that if this data was widely shared, it could generate between um, seven and fourteen billion uh, US dollars. I don't know why it's in US dollars. Uh, I was a US article um, for the the UK uh, economy. So, wow, that's uh, that's that's some really big big numbers. Um, Although again, I don't see any clarity over what pe- what period that is. Are we talking over one year or a, or a, or a, or a hundred years? Um, but yeah, kind of um, you know, interesting as as we do see data become more and more open. But of course, there needs to be wisdom around what you share, right? You know, do you share every single data point, and then mm. you know, none of us have any privacy anymore. Yeah. Um, so obviously, that sort of thing has to be uh, has to be balanced. Um, now, a couple more stories. Just wanted to chat through very uh, quickly before we get on to quickly. Too quickly. Um, 
So there, there has uh, been sources indicating Apple is resuming the iPhone X production, which, of course, they, they killed off with the iPhone XS and, and, uh, and XR uh, announcements, apparently due to uh, weak iPhone X, XS uh, sales. Uh, you know, who you know, knows, but typically with these sort of news reports, they've got a pretty high, uh, you know, high accuracy uh, rate. So I thought thought that was that was really interesting because Apple's move this year to really push up the prices of uh, of the iPhone to a whole whole new level mm. was something that you know you could never know exactly how the market would respond. Um, but you know, I guess my feeling was is that uh, uh, Apple fans tend to be pretty sticky with uh, yeah. with the brand, right? Yeah, and exactly. uh, that look, there's a segment of that uh, of their uh, audience that would you know would would step up and pay for those top phones as we've seen. Uh, but I certainly don't know around the uh, uh, the numbers. And the suggestion was. Uh, in, in part that they've got a commitment to uh, Samsung who actually makes the, the panels, the screens uh, for um, you know, a certain number of um, OLED uh, displays and this was one way of them uh, you know, de- buying the number that they'd committed to of you know of, of total OLED displays but uh, you know maybe at a at a uh, at a different price point so Kind of, uh, kind of curious, but I guess we may not, uh, we may not know the reality on that for uh, for for a little uh, a little while, and whether you know the way that the fact or the the detail uh, that sort of leaks out in these articles exactly which bits of it are fact and which which aren't. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, 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 so, have you ever thought about how difficult it is to change your phone now? Compared to how difficult it was maybe five years ago, it's getting a lot easier, isn't it? I would have actually thought it's harder. No, because when you when you think about all the apps you're downloading on on one device, right? Um, having so, I, I mean, of course, unless you back up all your data, then literally all you'll do. Well, is if you use a good you know password manager, so you got you know unique passwords and, yeah. and so on. Uh, you know, I'd say most apps are available across. You know, iOS or Android. Now, there are obviously there are there are exclusive things, and there are some things that are quite you know uh, unique around the platform. But once you're inside a lot of apps, yeah. uh, or once you're inside a browser, it's not yeah you know, a million miles apart. Or you're inside, you know, Gmail or uh, you know Microsoft Outlook. You know those those sorts of bits and pieces. Yeah, and and then or, or you know. And then you've got some apps which you either set up two-step verification and all all yep. this jazz. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, from just a few apps which you use daily, you're having to worry about. Uh, firstly, if I change from an Android to an iPhone, yeah, that's that's just a different universe. Yeah, pretty much got to set everything from scratch. Um, but even changing from an Android, like I, I just told you earlier on, that I, I dropped my phone just the other day. And I've had to set up these accounts on a, on, you know, on a new Android phone, and yep. it's just a pain. It is, yeah, yeah. I just wish <laughs> I didn't have to use these apps now, although I have to. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in many ways it's got easier. Um, you know, I think you know Apple to Apple has got easier. I haven't done a lot of trying to go from you know an Apple config to 
iOS. Uh, certainly, I, you know, I use Android a lot, uh, and I usually carry an Android phone and uh, and uh, uh, and an iPhone. Um, but the the Android side has has got a lot closer to what it's like on a on a you know on an Apple if you're running a you know. Uh, a modern variant of uh, of Android in terms of getting from one device to to another. I I find yeah. anyway, mm-hmm. but it's always a pain, and yeah, it's a lot more of a pain if you have to go from one one OS to another. Oh yeah, uh, and I guess that's that's where you know uh, Apple have probably finding that by having those lower priced uh, phones and you know with Black Friday sales and all those sorts of things, there were. Yeah, you know, certainly some sub five hundred dollar iPhones in the market, but you know you have to weigh up. Well, how many years old? You know, when was that phone launched? Was it four years ago? Five years yeah, ago? Yeah, exactly. Uh, some of those phones being, uh, uh, you know, being offered at those lower price points up to you know twenty eight hundred dollars as the as the the top top iPhone uh, in the in the market now. So, um, yeah, there, there's a I guess there's a lot of choice in both ecosystems now. But in the in the Apple world, certainly, uh, yeah, you're you're going to be more than likely uh, spend, spending more than those that are uh, in the uh, in the Android world. Twenty eight hundred for a phone. Just an interesting experiment is how much like how higher have the increases in phone prices been compared to inflation? So not just you know normal things are getting more expensive or well. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you look over time. I mean, we've got so much more computing power for a lower cost. Uh, you know, I look back. Uh, you know, maybe uh, into the uh, into the sort of late eighties when I first got a PC and first got a Mac, and uh, you know, it was a few thousand dollars to get to get a, a PC, uh, similar to get a Mac. Uh, today, you can get an iPhone with you know much higher definition screen, yep. and uh, you know. A whole lot of other things, yeah. you know, for the price, but it, you know, it depends how you're going to use it, and you know what's paying for the device. Uh, if you're looking at it from a your business productivity and, and capabilities perspective, then um, look, uh, you know, a lot of people their use of a phone they'll get by with quite a low cost phone because they're so powerful. Yeah, uh, other people justify whatever they want. Yeah, um, also on the basis that look. It's only a few thousand dollars, and what's my time worth? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, I think it, it's just finding what's the, what's the right fit for uh, uh, each individual or, or each working environment. Yeah, diminishing returns. Uh, now, w- w- the um, the other thing was um, Sky have announced their uh, their new uh, CEO, uh, incoming CEO. They've they've impo- appointed uh, Martin Stewart. Now he comes from uh, he's been working in the uh, in the middle Middle East, uh, where he uh, headed uh, OSN, um, which is a you know, top uh, pay TV. Network there in the Middle East, and, and prior to that, uh, a couple of major uh, CFO, uh, chief financial officer uh, roles, uh, including with what used to be uh, B Sky B uh, in the UK, uh, now just called Sky. Um, so he, he comes with some pretty uh, pretty good experience, and and seems to have done well uh, in his other roles in in terms of. Uh, uh, you know, success with with those uh, businesses, and he's had uh, you know a fair bit of involvement 
and uh, you know negotiating uh, broadcasting rights and um, he was a board member uh, and chair of the audit committee for the uh, London organising committee for the Olympic Games in 2012 so looks as though he brings some uh, some pretty impressive uh, you know experiences to the to the table for Sky here mm-hmm. the the real unknown is you know is the timing soon enough for for Sky to have a uh, a new leader step in? How will they be able to compete with the other players, such as Spark? Uh, there was the Australian player that I, th- Fetch. I think Fetch. Fetch. Yeah. They had said earlier on in the year uh, that they would yeah, potentially be moving into the New Zealand market. I, I'm not sure that we've seen too much there, but yeah. uh, Spark. All the noises I'm hearing out of Spark is that they're they're you know they're super committed to uh, uh, taking a big you know chunk of uh, of that that market mm-hmm. uh, that the sports uh, broadcasting yeah um, so really some pretty interesting times ahead and uh, you know I guess you know Sky's brand isn't uh, isn't as strong as as what it should what be you? on a whole you know bunch of fronts because of yeah. the pace at which they've moved and and uh, you know what what people have been paying to access their uh, their services right yeah yeah and and I mean it's um yeah I, I just echo your thought it's it's a pretty tipping point time for a new CEO to come in especially with what's happening in the tech realm of just people's habits changing I mean uh, how often do I sit in front like just to watch the TV uh, hardly you're a bit of a sports fan right do you have a Sky subscription today no so so that's the thing like we, I've noticed pretty much the only time I'm sitting in front of the TV is when I've got Netflix on yeah if anything if it's not on my laptop yeah, yeah. Um, and in trying to play catch up with these sort of habits um, just you know the new CEO's got to deal with a whole culture in the company so yeah all the best to, to them yeah very very interesting and uh, John Follett is uh, is staying on on the board as well which is uh, somewhat somewhat interesting uh, you know if, if he stays for for too long and I, and I, you know, I, I don't know how you define what is what is too long I can see there could be some benefit from a transitional uh, you know p- perspective in terms of his existing uh, you know un- uh, understanding of the business being you know incredibly valuable um, yeah. but yeah I'm, I'm sure they will need to be uh, need to be a, l- a little bit cautious yeah. About that, right? They need to uh, they they need to let Martin uh, Stewart get in there and uh, and and really lead the business. And if that means shaking up and changing a whole lot of stuff, then uh, you know they've got to go. They've got to go down that track. Mm. Yeah. So we will we will see now. Uh, time for time for quickly tell time us quickly. tell us the story. So now before you started quickly, you'd been overseas. You did an OE. Uh, you were in Berlin for what two two and a half years. Two and a half years, yeah, yeah. yeah. And who were you working for over there? Uh, I managed to score a job with um, a fantastic company TomTom. So that uh, we all know them from GPS devices and navigation and stuff. Um, and yeah, and uh, it, it was funny how that worked out because obviously, like you know, so many other Kiwis, I wanted to do an OE, but I didn't want to go to Australia or London. And I'd always had this thing for Germany since I was a kid, so I. Pretty much booked the ticket. 
I started applying at a few places. Um, I scored this interview with this company the day after I landed, and it's you know it's it's about a thirty-six hour journey, including stops. Oh yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 brutal. Yeah, and if if anyone's been to Berlin, um, I stayed at a hostel. So the first three weeks where I was there, I was at, I was at a hostel which is like central to the Berlin infamous nightlife. Right. Yep. 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 And I've, I've uh, tasted a little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the next day, you know, I'm trying to prep for an interview in yeah, an eight-bed yeah. dorm wearing a suit. I felt like a total <laughs> jerk. But it was, yeah, it went well. Um, and I ended up staying at the company for two and a half years, pretty much the duration of the time I was in yeah, Berlin. fantastic. Um, and then obviously during that time, you just learned so many things about, you know, obviously with the company I was at, um, what's happening in terms of mobility in the world, What's happening in terms of, um, so for example, autonomous vehicles, um, uh, traffic data, which is it was actually a precursor to, to the idea of quickly actually, um, and then around the the same time, maybe this is late twenty sixteen, early twenty seventeen, um, I started noticing. Some electric moped sharing services in Berlin. Right, right. Um, there so were Berlin was pretty pretty fast moving as far as trying, you know, uh, being a place where some of these technologies were tried. Yeah, definitely. So in in fact, they were they were pretty much leading the charge. So so there were different companies up up until then that that had existed. So Scoot in in San Francisco, you know, they've been at it since 2012. Um, but but obviously they weren't. E-scooters, they weren't, you know, Lime and Bird didn't even exist, essentially, when, when these things started. And um, I used the service a couple of times, and I just thought, this is pretty cool, because, I mean, public transportation is awesome in in Germany, so you don't really need a car. That's right. You've got, um, what's the subway system of Berlin the U-Bahn yeah yeah, the underground Um, I seem to recall that being uh, you know working pretty well and uh, yeah I mean throughout Europe but you know great great train systems yeah Uh, exactly I remember remember taking a a, I think it was a sleeper train from Berlin uh, somewhere into into Poland you know right uh, yeah yeah, yeah. many many years ago and yeah just the autobahns and yeah, everything else, it's, uh, it's it's pretty easy to get around. It's you know, in the two and a half years I was there, to get from A to B within the city wouldn't take longer than either half an hour or between forty five, yeah, forty five minutes. Yeah, um, just this whole ecosystem of the underground, the overground, the trams, um, and there's there's a great cycling culture as well in the city, just like many Western European cities, um, and it was you know. I kind so over a few months I kind of started thinking back home we've got so many of the problems that this you know an idea like this could probably yeah. serve yeah um, and I started thinking about okay how would it work this and that whatever I did a lot of homework I obviously met with so many operators and so vehicle manufacturers and you know you you name it, everyone sort of in that chain um, to start building up the idea. So when I did decide to come back home and try quickly out, yep. um, I would have a lot of the ducks, you know, in a row and pretty much 
start, you know, hit the ground running. Um, that was kind of the background of how I thought quickly would be a good fit back home. Just, just in this, you know, in, in, in the idea of when, when us Kiwis, when we go overseas and we see just good, good ideas, yep. there's a lot of value in trying to bring those back home because we're so far away from the rest of the world. We just probably don't even know what's going on in terms of, oh, you know, like there's a simple system for someone to, you know, uh, order something at a restaurant, for example, yep. um, in India where you can, there's no minimum order quantity. You just pull out a phone and you've got essentially, you can order one fruit if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so quickly it was just one of those ideas, I guess. That yep. was the background of it. And then we can get into what problems it solves in terms of congestion because that's a big word in itself. So just just run us through if anyone's sort of thinking, well, okay, all of that's all very interesting, but how do I try it out? Yeah. And what is it, you know, what does it cost and in what scenarios is going to be relevant? Because you're talking about, you know, I think uh, uh, we, you mentioned before Tauranga, uh, I see on your website Wellington and Christchurch uh, listed. So, you know, there's really the potential for you to, you know, grow right around uh, the, the country, certainly to the more uh, populous uh, areas. So, although right now you're sort of focused on, uh, you know, Auckland's North Shore as, as uh, sort of a, a, an area for for trialing and, yep. uh, and and testing things uh, it seems as though your uh, your price point and I've seen a similar price point as well uh, in, in in other markets for yeah sometimes even you know car rentals and so on that are uh, uh, not too far off what it cost to rent a lime scooter right yeah yeah uh, which I I, th- I thought was really interesting because obviously that has some uh, challenges from a capital uh, perspective and so on but yep um, so basically, you pay what two dollars to sort of unlock a unlock a scooter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, there's a helmet there with it. Is there? Yeah, yeah. So, and, so, uh, and I shouldn't call it a scooter because we're yeah, getting mixed so, up. So yeah. let, let's call get the moped. glossary. Let's call it a moped. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so, so with each. Although growing moped, up, I probably would have called it a scooter. Uh, you look, I, I still make the same mistake. You yeah. know, I, I I still have to get my. Um, a little, bit, a little bit like a, an electric Vespa, you might say, slightly different sort of look, but pretty, pretty it's, much, it's yeah, that, that that type of uh, gadget, exactly. And then, so two dollars to unlock it. Then, what is it, forty cents? It's, it's about a thirty-five cents a, a minute, yeah, a minute, to, a minute, to operate. So, right, yeah, minute. in comparison with the lime, you know, lime is. Um, so you're going to get a lot further you, it, than you'll get on a on a lime because yeah. you you know you're able to go on the road, you know, full speed speed limit, whatever. Yeah. Uh, that is up to, what do they get up to? Sort of 50, 70 Ks an hour? Because you can't use them on the motorway, right? No, you can't. So so the, so there is, the, the software of the moped itself regulates it to not go, you know, between, say, 51, 52 Ks an hour. Okay, so you can um, stay on that. So, you know, if behave. you're on a downhill, it'll, it'll go you know, maybe a K or two Ks faster than that, but right, right. it's supposed to regulate itself around that 50 K an hour mark. Yeah. Um, uh, it, 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 you know, there's different regulations here in place. So, yes, A, this is a moped. This is a vehicle. So we've had to... So you've got to um, have a driver's license, right? Yeah, so... so, so but any, any driver's license, you can drive one. Uh, so in New Zealand, about. legally, you can ride a moped or something classed, you know, under a 50cc yep. um, uh, 
motorcycle as you can ride it with with a learner's car license. Yeah. But th- there's a couple of things I, I want to state where safety and quality are just number one for quickly. And you know, I I appreciate any feedback. Um, with all your listeners, if anyone thought we were not being transparent about any of this, call us out. So the first thing is, so you're not encouraging people to ride them down a footpath, then? That's that's the, <laughs> the third point. So so you can't essentially litter footpaths with these. You've got to you've got to park them in in you know either allocated motorcycle spots, right? right. Um, or I mean, you could you could park them in a car parking space. You'd you'd probably just have to pay. So have you got to deal with council for, for that so they could just be dumped in those in those locations? Yeah, so so those locations are, I, I guess, free for all um, and council actually want people to use them. Yeah. Uh, essentially, council want to actually... So free parking locations. Free, free parking locations, right. so exactly. If it's a, if it's, so someone shouldn't be dropping it off in a loading zone and, and dashing, it might get a bit expensive for you. It, well, yeah, so any you know infringement fees, any towing fees, those will be liable from the person who left it there because um, obviously we have that data. What if somebody's picked it up and uh, have you had any of those dramas? You know, we hear about uh, lime scooters ending up in trees and yeah. ditches and in weird streams places. and, yeah. uh, you know, probably thrown off cliffs and so on. Uh, touch wood, so far we haven't. That's I'm, good. I'm just going to touch your table here. Um, uh, but, yeah, so, so the, you know, it's it's a fully-fledged a vehicle it's actually pretty difficult to move so there's all there's also safety mechanism, mechanisms in the in the mopeds themselves so right. if it's locked so if you haven't downloaded the app and unlocked it then the wheels actually lock up if you're trying to move it okay you know i i don't want this to be a challenge to any listener <laughs> to go out and and lock it but don't do it we want this thing to stick around we we want it to stick around we're kiwi owned and operated you know where this is essentially you know self-funded by by us and how many, sco- um, I would call them scooters, how many mopeds, um, mopeds have you got? So on the shore, there's, a, there's 10 for okay. the pilot. Yep. But then, I don't, uh, you know, I, it's still early to give you the exact number of how many we'd you know, look to launch in the CBD and, um, and other cities like Tauranga or Wellington or whatever. Because those, those investment talks are obviously still, still on. But um, essentially, we're ironing out any kinks that, that we find with this pilot right because we just want it to be successful um, and we want this to be a service that Kiwis use and and can rely on Um, and obviously not just not just dump I guess a bunch of vehicles for people to you know without any consideration of of safety or quality yeah I mean I haven't had too many issues with the lime scooters I just about ran somebody over the first time I tried one Um, hadn't been on uh, one for a while, but uh, you know I'm okay with the model. If it, you know we've we've got a uh, we've got one of the, or a couple of those types of uh, scooters here at the office that get get used. But to me, they do seem like a part way point, and uh, you know the the idea of um, yeah what 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 you're doing in terms of vehicles that can go a bit faster mm. and you know just on the road yeah. is very interesting. Um, and in terms of you know car- carbon footprint for a, a, a little bike versus a car, yep. um, you know it's definitely got some uh, some some benefits. Yep. There's there are safety things, right? Yep. You know, it's yep. uh, you can 
you could zone out when you're sitting at the back of a, an Uber. You don't have to yeah. think about how you how you're getting there. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I think there's there's room in the market for a you know a variety of uh, of different things. Obviously, different weather, of course, that that makes a difference too. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, you would have a, probably a challenge having you know. All your uh, all your vehicles in, uh, in in use in bad weather compared yep. to on a good day, you're likely to see a lot more people out and about, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So every single thing you mentioned is fully fully justified. So the first thing is that you have to be attentive when you're riding one of these. So we obviously come on, bring on the autonomous model. <laughs> that, that's it's in the works. Funny enough, um, so a we supply helmets with with these with these vehicles. If a user unlocks it and notices no helmet, they report it immediately. Well, you know we'd have to deactivate that. We'd, right. we'd actually send a ranger out to with the helmet. So the ranger um, is your your person that goes through and charges them and maintains them and so yeah. On. So we have a team of rangers exactly. Yeah, okay. um, and the second thing is, I think we mentioned this before. You you can't just park them anywhere. So. Um, in New Zealand, so j- just like many other countries, pavements are actually divided um, into into thirds. A third yep. that's closest to the retail shops yep. where they keep signage. There's a third that's closest to the street where you can park bicycles or which companies like Lime have obtained permits where they can park their, their scooters. Um, but the number one, like I guess, rule is that pedestrians should still have right of way. Yeah, on pavements, yeah, yeah. and we're just not seeing a lot of that with, with you know this. Um, Your rivals, I yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> even call them rivals. I'll tell you why I wouldn't call them rivals. Um, I'll actually break it down for you in terms of the the cases we serve. So, uh, congestion, we can break down congestion into. Um, Imagine A and B. So A could be your home and B is where you work. So traditionally, in fact, 15 out of every 16 cars in New Zealand is a signal – well, in Auckland, sorry – is a single occupant vehicle, one person driving it. It's a fun experiment. Try this next time you're stuck in traffic. Um, So traditionally, you drive your car from home to work, and this is a big factor in congestion then what you have is you might not want to drive you might want to catch a bus or a train um, so some sort of public transportation system in the middle but you've still got to get from your home to that say bus stop yeah. and then from the bus stop to your workplace and this is what we call the first and last mile so um, you know New Zealanders as of 2016 are spending about 45 minutes extra in their cars just stuck in traffic because of congestion. Uh, these are not the only factors, but um, you know, roading infrastructure and and changes to urban planning. These solutions take you know time. Oh yeah, we, yep. you know, but by the time we realize these benefits, which is maybe ten fifteen years from now, we've probably got different problems to deal with. So today, Kiwis are not having to spend those 45 minutes with their families or doing things they love because they're stuck on the roads. This is where alternative mobility solutions come in. So the kick scooters. So this is where we need a scooter that you can put your whole family on your whole f- and will drive itself. Yeah, you said you went to <laughs> India, right? You yeah, yeah I, a bunch of I've seen families on, <laughs> on, you know, a whole family on a, on a, um, yep. 
on a moped. Yeah. yeah. Which you're not allowed with quicklies, just <laughs> putting it out there. So, so, so basically, you've got the first and last mile where you've, you've got to take yeah. care of those, yeah. right? So, so that, that's really what you're, what you're focused on. That's, so that's what um, either the e-scooters would be focused on or quickly, obviously, yeah. where we yeah. focus on. But the reason why we're actually serving different use cases in different markets is actually when you think of that distance so you might break down a couple of hundred meters to say two and a half kilometers you might do that either by cycle or by a scooter but getting from you know the three kilometer to the 12 kilometer range yes yeah a lot of people are currently taking ubers you know they're hailing ubers for for those types of things and that's that doesn't solve your congestion problem the, the only convenience you're realizing is you're sitting in a car that isn't yours. So, you, as you said, you can zone out. Right. So, so by, by taking uh, quickly, then you can maybe scoot through past the traffic. You certainly, you know, you're not going to be adding too much to the, the congestion. Yep. And uh, depending on how dodgy you are with uh, lane splitting <laughs> type uh, techniques, that's mostly the motorway, I suppose. But uh, yeah. Uh, then, yeah, you might be able to get there quicker than in an Uber. I guess part of it comes down to how motivated uh, people are to um, support reducing the congestion Yep. Uh, because if the prices end up being reasonably similar between, say, a, an Uber ride and a Quickly ride, yep. um, you can imagine a lot of people will, uh, will take the lazy option and will uh, sit themselves in the back of a, back of a vehicle. Of course, that would never be everybody and, and, and choice is good. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's kind of where you're slotting in, though. Yeah. So um, we actually worked on the price point for a very long time. Um, in fact, you know, you, you could almost argue that after the scooters were launched, yeah. we could have upped our prices. Right. But when you take so when you take the average of as I said that that three to twelve kilometer range. Yeah. Yeah. And you take a free flowing, you know, how long it would take you to travel. Yeah. This range, either in a bus or an Uber, a quickly still turns out to be the cheapest option. If you've got loads of them around. So that's, that's got to be the next bit. So yeah. tell us a little bit about your funding. Have you, have, you got, uh, have you got sort of, you know, sufficient funding? Are you doing local funding rounds? How do you, how do you take this from, uh, you know, from 10 vehicles to 10,000 or whatever, 10, you know, oh, 10, what, what, whatever you might need to, uh, uh, you know, uh, serve everybody to in the country. Everybody. Yep, yep, good point. So we're, there, there's a couple of things we're doing as we speak. I, I can't, unfortunately, divulge much information, but there's local funding rounds. So with either private, um, you know, uh, investors. We're also in talks with a couple of um, a couple of large New Zealand organizations who obviously, um, you know, they saw the launch, they saw the, the press quickly was getting in terms of putting safety and quality first in terms of we're not just you know another scooter company we're actually trying to provide a service here right Um, you know even you you mentioned the licenses our users can unfortunately you know they they must have a full car license or at least a restricted motorcycle license that we're actually going out of our way to cut down the you know the available users just because we want people with adequate road experience, you know, using these using these bikes. That's not very key. We were a she'll be right nation. She'll be right. You know, <laughs> I, I wish the insurance companies bought that. But fair, um, fair enough. All right. Um, yeah. 
Well, that's, I mean, we, I'd like to chat a bit more about this, but we're, we're sort of out of time. Um, so people want to get signed up. They can basically jump into, uh, you know, relevant app stores and search for Quickly, which is K-W-I-K-L-I. Yep. Uh, right. Or go to quickly.co.nz to find, find out more. Yep. Um, I haven't had a chance to uh, to try it out yet. So, if uh, uh, listeners have any uh, any feedback on their their experiences, would uh, would would love to hear about it. But it's uh, it's been great to uh, great to have you in on the show, Rashad. Uh, it's been great being here. Thanks, thanks, Paul and Christian. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. So, if people if people who are already registered try them out, and they you know there's an email where you can provide feedback. You just go in the draw to win free minutes. Um, if you're on it, you know. You can you can follow the Instagram page. It's at Go Quickly. Um, if you put in a hashtag, you know, the Quickly hashtag with any post, you can pretty much get free minutes. All these things. Oh, nice! Just trying to get just trying to get um, a lot of people giving us feedback that we can continually, you know, improve on. Excellent. Because because that I I think that's how a successful pilot works. Where well, you, yeah, you got to be you got to be listening to. Uh, uh, to your users and uh, taking that on board. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, all all the best, and we look forward to a, an update a uh, little while uh, down down the track. So uh, yeah, definitely keep us keep us in the loop. Fantastic, we'll do, we'll do. Excellent. All right, well, thanks everybody for listening in. Uh, we'll be back again uh, next week, and uh, hopefully, I'm sounding a little bit uh, a little bit more normal by then. Uh, and uh, yeah, that that's that's us for this week. Uh, thank you for uh, to Christian, who's. Uh, who's been looking after the uh, the desk and uh, uh, keeping everything working behind the scenes there um, and uh, and the the gorilla team who uh, who keep everything ticking over in the in the studio and uh, and so on so uh, hey thanks everyone catch you next week see ya cheers the New Zealand Tech podcast brought to you by gorilla technology proactive and strategic IT